everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of the Hogbeat Hour brought to you by Hogbeat.com, the Arkansas Rivals site in the Rivals Network. I am Nikki Chavanel, the managing editor, here with Andrew Hutchinson, our lead team reporter. Hutch, you were up super late last night. Um, thank you. Uh, covering the red-white game. Um, what were your main takeaways from that? It wasn't too late. I was only up a little after midnight. That, that's nothing compared to football games from up until three. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it was good to, good to see the Razorback uh, basketball team for the first time, get to see all the new guys. Uh, that was uh, exciting to see, you know, Moses Moody. That was the first time I've actually gotten to see him uh, play in person. I remember uh, his sophomore year, you know, we've, we've known about Moses Moody for a long time. He's just been that good. And his sophomore year, I was like, oh, well, I'll just, I got two years to, to go watch him play at North Little Rock. I, I'll, I'll see him next year. And then he transferred to Montverde or wherever it was uh, to play his last two years. So it was my first time to see him. The dude has a, it's just a silky smooth jump shot. I mean, it is, it is a thing of beauty. Uh, so that was, that was good to see. And uh, this team is going to shoot a lot of three-pointers. Uh, you know, we, we thought last year they shot a lot with, with Isaiah Joe and uh, Mason Jones. But, I mean, this team, pretty much everybody that goes out on the floor is capable of shooting three-pointers, except for maybe Ethan Henderson. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Other than that, everyone else, I mean, Jalen Williams shoots threes. You know, Connor Vanover, seven-foot-three, shoots threes. Justin Smith, that was probably an interest, more, most interesting development from last night was, you know, he went three of three from three-point range, and he wasn't a particularly a three-point shooter at Indiana. So uh, they're, they're going to be firing away from, from all over the court. Yeah. Uh, defense, I mean, they weren't showing particularly tough defense last night, so I'm, I'm curious to see how that's going to be. Um, I mean, probably not against Mississippi Valley State, although, you know, still have to make sure things don't get out of hand but maybe against North Texas we'll see you know what that defense is made of but uh, yeah Moses Moody looked really really good um, I think that he's showing the distance as well as you know how how smooth his shot is he's proving that you know he's not going to need long to adjust to the college three-point line or anything like that he's he's ready to go and a potential one and done so everyone will be watching him all year long although it was weird like all these preseason you know top player lists like a lot of people seem to forget about Moses Moody yeah I think there was one I think it was on ESPN it was like the the top newcomer so freshmen transfers stuff like that and I think three Arkansas players were mentioned but I think it was uh, J JD Note, which obviously he filled it up last night, 30 points. Uh, he's never seen a shot he didn't like. Uh, but then uh, I think the other guys were like Justin Smith and I care if it was Vance Jackson or Jalen Tate. It was another one of the transfers. They didn't have any the of the freshmen. Yeah. Yeah. And so it was, it was a little bit interesting because I thought Moses Moody was, was a guy that people are going to, they're going to know his name by the end of the year. I have a feeling. And you're right. I mean, he could be the first one and done in school history. Uh, although the trend, you know, usually at Arkansas is guys coming and, and being here two years, especially in-state guys. I mean, we saw it with, you know, Bobby Portis. We saw it with uh, Daniel Gafford, Isaiah Joe. Uh, so it, it'll be uh, interesting to see if, if that trend continues and we get to see two years of them. Selfishly, I hope we do. How was the environment in Bud Walton? I think there were what, like a little over 2000 students there. What did they sound like? And they're, they're more um, excitable than 
you know, season ticket holders a lot of the time. So it's going to be an interesting environment. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it really wasn't a spectacular environment. I mean, it was impressive that over 2,000 students showed up. I think that exceeded uh, Eric Musselman's expectations whenever they made it a student-only event. Um, but I mean, it was it was okay. I mean, a lot of the students, they, they came and they maybe stayed for a half and then they left. Uh, but still, it, it was it was impressive to see that many show up. Uh, most of them at least appeared to be attempting to follow the guidelines of social distancing and, you know, everyone was wearing a mask and, you know, being, being good about that. Uh, it's it's going to be different. It, it really is because, I mean, Bud Walton, the atmosphere at Bud Walton is, is phenomenal, one of the best in college basketball, in my opinion, and we're not going to get to experience that this year with what looks to be a very good team, which is was which is really disappointing, but you know, it's just uh, the times we live in. Uh, the Razorbacks were picked by the SEC media to finish sixth um, in the conference this year, much better than 11th last season. So, you know, steady improvement, and that's without any players being named to, to the first or second preseason all-conference teams. Um, every single team, you know, ranked ahead of Arkansas had one or two, you know, first or second teamers. So, um, I think people know that Eric Musselman is going to be able to put together a solid lineup and, you know, have a, a nice rotation and have go-to guys, but I don't think people know who those guys are going to be yet. Exactly. I think there's going to be one or two guys make, you know, all SEC, whether it be first or second team or whatever, but who's it going to be? I think we have a decent idea, but that's also because we are around the team a little bit more. Uh, you know, we follow, you know, everything that Eric Musselman says, the things they post on social media, things like that. So we kind of, you know, we could probably tell you like, oh, we think Moses Moody's going to be a very, very good uh, player this year. Uh, we probably think, you know, Justin Smith is going to be a do everything kind of guy. Uh, Vance Jackson, I'm curious to see how he looks. And so there's several candidates, but I mean, if you're an SEC media person covering the, the conference, you know, in South Carolina, you probably look at this roster and go, okay, who, who's going to emerge? I don't know who to put on there, but these other guys are like, okay, these are going to be the studs on, on their particular team. The Razorback schedule kind of worries me because it's, it's a cakewalk in the non-conference. I mean, they, they play Oklahoma state what later in the season, right? So you have all these easy games and then you face the, the competition of the SEC and it's just going to be like such a, a shift in the level of competition that they play. So, I mean, I don't, I mean, Eric Musselman's going to have his guys ready to go. I'm confident in that, but like, I do think there's going to be a, a shock factor when, when the SEC schedule kicks in. You know, I, I got to give Arkansas a little bit more credit than, than most are giving them because there are actually, some, you actually looked at the numbers, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, I did. Uh, they, they, there are some decent teams. I mean, Tulsa road trip at Tulsa, that that's not an easy game. I would say, I mean, it's a game Arkansas should win. Don't get me wrong. Arkansas should win all their non-conference games, you know, before the start of the season, obviously who knows about Oklahoma state, you know, in the middle of SEC play, uh, but they, they should win them, but there are going to be some challenges, you know, road game at Tulsa, you know, Abilene Christian was a, a solid ball club last year. North Texas, I think, maybe won the regular season uh, Conference USA title. Uh, 
so those are some quality teams. Uh, now, no one that gets you, you feeling all warm and fuzzy inside, like, you know, Oklahoma was going to, uh, that was on the schedule, and some of the other, you know, Indiana last year, uh, you know, even Western Kentucky, I think, got people a little bit more excited than some of the teams on, on this year's schedule. So I think it's okay. Now, opening against Mississippi Valley State is a joke because they legitimately might be the worst team in Division One basketball out of 357 teams. They are 357th in the preseason Ken Palm rankings. Uh, they won like three games last year, and I think at least one or two of those were against non-Division One teams. So they are a like a purposeful decision. Like we are going to test our roster and try as many combinations against you guys before we play other people. That that might be the case because I mean, just knowing Eric Musman, knowing Anthony Ruda, those guys don't generally schedule teams that are that bad because those are RPI or NET killers. Whenever it comes into the year, I mean, it's kind of like we saw it in baseball all the time, you know. Arkansas play these SWAC teams in midweek and it just just the simple fact of playing it whether you win it 38 to 2 or in basketball if you win in a 120 to 60 it doesn't matter it's going to hurt your RPI or NET because the team is just so bad so it might just be a thing where you're like hey we've got so many new pieces let's see what they look like it's almost like a, a de facto exhibition game like they would get against division two teams because it's it's essentially what Mississippi Valley State is. There are some teams that aren't even going to play basketball. I think the Ivy League just decided yesterday to cancel winter sports. Um, is there a chance that like the threshold to make it into the tournament is just going to be a lot lower this year so they don't focus as much on that like RPI number? That's a great question. I think Eric Musman actually brought that up in a press conference a couple of weeks ago saying, you know, we're not really sure how they're going to view strength of schedule and stuff. Cause that was the other reason that Arkansas schedule looks the way it does. If you look at all the teams on the schedule, they come from bordering States. They're either from Texas, Mississippi, Tennessee, Oklahoma. So these teams have shorter trips. They don't have to get on an airplane to come to Fayetteville, Arkansas. Uh, Arkansas doesn't have to get on a plane to go to Tulsa or to go to Stillwater to play Oklahoma State. Uh, so that was a thing that they, it sounds like they talked about with Hunter Yurchak and said, hey, this is what we're going to do. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see how the selection committee, you know, looks at that. I mean, because there's been SEC teams that have scheduled just god-awful non-conference. You know, South Carolina comes to mind a few years back. They uh, went undefeated in conference play or in non-conference play and then just sucked basically in SEC play and they didn't make the NCAA tournament even though they had won I think 20 games just because of how bad their strength of schedule is I don't know if that's going to be the case this year it might literally just be a, a case of you know just survive the season get through have a good record and we'll take it you know as is uh, Eric Musselman and the Razorbacks uh, made my job easier this week by signing uh, their two commits early uh, Chance Moore current rivals three-star though I have a feeling he'll be bumped back up to a four-star in no time because he's had a really good fall um he's actually the highest ranked three-star <laughs> by rivals which is so annoying classic Arkansas <laughs> and then the analyst left right after doing it and I'm like okay guys 
Um, so they signed Chance Moore and Akol Maween. I think that's how you pronounce it, but Musk calls him AK. And so that is, uh, I'm taking that as something I can do now. Uh, so Chance Moore and AK and Musclewoman said, we are done with our um, signees for out of high school and, and JUCO, at least unless there's any surprises, but he doesn't expect them to have any. And, um, you know, there will be at least one remaining spot in this class. Um, and he'll likely go to the transfer portal like he does all the time. Uh, he already did it once for like they had, you know, the one scholarship open this, this season and decided to bring in Kamani Johnson at the mid year. So uh, once again, in the transfer portal. So, I mean, I will have to track, you know, who they're contacting in the transfer portal, but with Musselman, he just talks to everyone. So it's, it's really until like, I don't know, I think closer to the end of next semester where I'll have to like really focus in on who they go after, but he was really excited about both of the additions. Um, I know there were a lot of guys like, you know, we had the big board going uh, for the 2021 class and it was getting up there in page views and in, in comments. But, um, you know, a lot of guys were going to face an SEC competition. A lot of them picked other SEC programs over Arkansas. So we're going to have these names pop back up and you can always go on Hogbeat and look back at some old takes that we had on those guys. Um, moving on, because obviously we're still in the midst of the football season. We are at kind of in an apex I think I know what that word means. It means like the top. Something like that. <laughs> we're, we're at the apex because last week was obviously, you know, game six. But now this game is like even more important in my view because, you know, you beat Tennessee and Tennessee's a fine team, but they were beatable. Everyone knew that. Florida, they are, you know, at the tip top right now. Their defense sucks, but their offense is crazy good and beating them would – just shatter like everyone's perceptions of this team and like the, the box that people put them in after the past three years thinking like, Oh, Arkansas is just a bottom feeder now. Like it would just immediately shock the world. Like in the truest sense, people always say, Oh, you know, shock the world, but like literally it would. Um, I don't think the chances are that high that it happens, but you know, Kyle Pitts happening to be in concussion protocol still definitely, ups their chances um what did espn fpi have to say about this game i don't know if they factored in pitts not being available into their numbers yeah i don't think they can factor in injuries like that to particular players because that's just so it's subjective because it, it's just really hard to do that how big of an impact the guy has i don't know the exact number but i do know it dipped below 10 percent after this most recent week uh, because florida looked really really impressive beating georgia uh, so I would, I think it's somewhere like around 9% chance, something like that. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't expect it to be an upset for Arkansas. I could definitely see this game being a lot closer than, than the spread. I think it's like what, 17, 17 and a half, 18 points, something like that. I could see Arkansas keeping it within a two score game, like 10 or 14. Uh, and that would be phenomenal for Arkansas for going on the road at the swamp against such an incredible arguably Heisman front runner quarterback in, in Kyle Trask uh, that would be a, a good good step a good you know sign of things to come with you know LSU and Missouri around the corner 
Kyle Trask is like such an interesting story to me. Um, he was a backup for Derek King in high school, like as a senior, they were both in the same class. So he was, I'm sure he could have transferred high schools. Kids do that all the time, but he was, you know, staying there as his backup, um, Florida looked at him like at the last minute and he decided to go to Florida and he was just the backup forever. And then he finally got his shot and, you know, Felipe Franks goes down and he ends up playing, better um than felipe franks did in 2018 i think so it was pretty obvious that he was going to you know probably beat him out and so felipe came here much to our benefit um but he's just incredible like i don't i don't know how you can go from being a backup and then you know for so many years and then playing like he does I mean, it's it's truly a, a testament to his character and his kind of mentality that he didn't transfer in high school because you're right. I mean, Derek King was incredible. Uh, he's tearing it up at Miami now after being really good at Houston. Uh, he could have easily transferred, gone somewhere else, and, and been able to play. He didn't. He was in the same class as Felipe Franks, uh, you know, highly touted 6.0 four-star recruit, top 60 in the country. Uh, and was behind him as, and I mean, Felipe started, I believe, as a redshirt freshman. So, you know, he could have easily transferred after that year. He could have easily transferred after their redshirt sophomore year. He didn't, stuck around. It paid off. And now, as I said, I mean, he's, he's a Heisman Trophy contender. So just a, a really great story. You got to, you have to root for guys like that. I know Arkansas fans will be rooting for him this weekend, but uh, for, for a guy like that to, to be having the success he has had, uh, it's just a really cool college football story. The huge news of the week. We all thought the storyline was, you know, going to be Felipe and Florida, and it totally is still. But Sam Pittman got COVID, and he tested positive on Sunday. They did another test. He tested positive again, and they told us, I think, on Tuesday. Um, and so, yeah, he is not going to be going down to Gainesville with the rest of the team. Barry Odom is stepping up as the interim head coach. But I'm not, like, I don't feel worried about that at all. Like, I'm not concerned about Sam Pittman not being there. I would much rather have Sam Pittman sitting at home than Kendall Bryles or Barry Odom if, if like, he had to choose. Exactly. I mean, if anyone has to test positive, Sam Pittman would be the guy. Obviously, you hope he's healthy. You hope he's fine. Uh, right. but yes, he, he he's the he's kind of a the CEO of the team like he he's not he's not calling plays uh, he he does you know occasionally make like a decision like hey we're going for it on fourth down or you know hey I want to bring a blitz here or there something like that but for the most part it's Barry Odom calling plays on defense and Kendall Browse calling plays on offense so uh, you do lose the emotional emotional impact of Sam Pittman, you know, for pregame talks, uh, halftime speeches, things of that nature. But I don't think it's going to be so much that Arkansas can't overcome that loss. Like, I don't think it's going to impact Arkansas's performance in a negative way on, on Saturday. Yeah, and I've heard Barry Odom speak before. He's he's a fiery guy. He can definitely get the troops going, I think. Um, and – you know, to the player's benefit. He has faced uh, Florida several times while he was a head coach at Missouri. Um, I think in four games, he won two, uh, one of them against Dan Mullen. So 
you know, he has that experience. He's been down to the swamp, unlike a lot of these players, uh, except for Felipe. Um, you wrote a really good story on, on Franks this week. So I'll let you um, kind of tell that story in a, in a reporting fashion. <laughs> yeah. I mean, everyone knows Felipe He's graduate transfer from Florida. So he's, he's going back to his old stomping grounds. He's from Florida, grew up in the Tallahassee area. So just a couple hours away. Uh, I believe he was actually a Florida state fan kind of going through high school stuff. He was a big Jameis Winston fan, uh, but I uh, went to Florida and uh, got hurt. You mentioned now he's at Arkansas and, and he's, it, he's, he's excited. I mean, he, he didn't shy away from talking about how he's really looking forward to, to facing his former teammates. He loves all those guys. He loves the coaches. This isn't one of those transfers where, you know, Felipe got pushed down. So he has, he, he hates the coach or that, uh, he ditched his old team, and so his old team hates him. I mean, there is mutual love there. And Dan Mullen, you, he talked, you know, during multiple press conferences, teleconference, things like that, talking about how much, you know, Felipe meant to him and his family. You know, he's, uh, Felipe was really close with uh, 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 Coach Mullen and uh, Mullen's wife. Uh, they were really encouraging to him while he went through his rehab last year. So uh, just a, a really cool story for him to be going back. And I think they're, they're all rooting for Felipe to have success, at least the, the coaching staff. I'm not sure if the fans are necessarily uh, super fond of him because he did kind of clash with them. Uh, they booed him while he was a starting quarterback of a 10 win top 10 Florida team in 2018, which I think is kind of mind blowing. Uh, so, and I think there was a couple times where he shushed the crowd at home. You, you never see that. Uh, so, uh, there might not be a, a, any love loss there with the Felipe and the fans, but as far as the, the players and the coaches, I mean, they, they love them. It's crazy because at Florida, a lot of people knocked Franks for his perceived like immaturity and stuff like in his handling of the fans and stuff. And at Arkansas, it's just completely the opposite. You don't, you don't detect any vibe of drama from Felipe Franks. Like he doesn't say anything controversial. He says pretty much like I could probably write down a rough uh, <laughs> guesstimate of what he would say. If I asked pretty much any question, it's really funny. He's good at that. He's going to be good in the NFL if he um, makes it to that level and, you know, actually is playing and gets to do <laughs> media interviews. Um, so yeah, like he's just been perfect for Arkansas. And because Arkansas was so bad and went through like nine quarterbacks. Eight, so just eight. Eight, oh, dang. That's going <laughs> to be like 11 or 12 one day. Like it's going to be like one of those myths that like gets <laughs> totally blown out of proportion. Um, because Arkansas fans had to deal with this carousel, they're so much more appreciative of him, even though like he's not – He's not himself a Heisman candidate this year, but he's playing very solidly. And Florida, because of, you know, Tim Tebow and their past success and all that, like they have just such an inflated sense of what a Florida quarterback has to be. And he never lived up to their extremely high expectations. And so he. <laughs> Which just, it blows my mind because yeah. if you look at the quarter, like after Tim Tebow left, uh, so I guess his last year was what 2009 2008 I think I think 2009 because Arkansas went down there and got hosed uh, in Gainesville that's another story for another day uh, but I think that was Tebow's senior year so from 2010 
through 2016, uh, before Felipe started playing, they went through a bajillion different quarterbacks. I mean, just a total carousel, and they all sucked, and they all transferred out eventually. And then the, you finally get a guy in Felipe who's, you know, actually provided a little bit of stability. I mean, he started, I think, eight games as a redshirt freshman, started every game as a redshirt junior, was started the first three games as a or of another year. I can't remember exactly. So, like, he he was playing and playing at a pretty high level. I mean, he was a guy I know going into the year he got hurt, he was considered as a, a possible all-SEC candidate because everyone expected him to keep getting better under Dan Mullen, which Dan Mullen's a very good coach. I think he would have. So uh, I, I just didn't get the the hate for him, especially considering Florida was in kind of a similar – it wasn't as bad, but by Florida's comparison, you know, their, their standards, it was just as bad as what Arkansas experienced the last two years. So you'd think they would have been more appreciative of him. So I, I, it was a little bit weird to me. Felipe might still be a little bit sensitive because Pittman did say this week that – Everything he says to Franks, he does it in a very positive way. Like, even if he's saying something negative, he tries to make it sound positive or put a positive spin on it. And I, some people just need that style of coaching, and others need you to neg the hell out of them to make them work harder. So every, everyone's just different, and you have to find the style that fits best. I have a feeling Dan Mullen probably didn't treat Felipe quite the same way but there's still you know obviously a lot of love there um okay so Kyle Trask won't have his number one target this weekend that is Kyle Pitts the tight end we're pretty sure um Zach Abel Verdi the um senior staff writer over at Gators Territory did our know the foe Q&A this week and he said that as of Wednesday um, he still wasn't cleared from concussion protocol and so even if he had been clear today or yesterday like he probably didn't practice enough for them to actually play him so and why risk it against yeah. a team like Arkansas you're favored by so much I mean that, that dude's gonna be in the NFL next year yeah, um, but he has like eight of the team's touchdowns, and yeah, he's Trask's favorite target. But behind him, there's Darius Tony, who was actually a three-star. When I looked him up, I was like, man, this guy was actually not very highly ranked um, coming out of high school, but uh, very successful, a senior. Um, let me – I wrote a whole story because they have like six, I think, targets with over 100 yards this season, so – uh, there's plenty of weapons behind behind Pitts for Saturday, regardless if he's ready to go or not. Uh, they also play with their running backs out of the backfield quite a bit as receivers, so that might be a problem for Arkansas because when you're dropping the eight, you still have to be aware of those guys, and I think that might present a big problem. Yeah, they're going to have to really rally to the football uh, on plays like that. I think we saw it a little bit uh, in the Mississippi State game, uh, but obviously the Florida athletes are going to be a little bit better than those Mississippi State guys. So you're going to have to really be sure tacklers, which has been somewhat of an issue for Arkansas this year. They're, you know, according to Pro Football Focus, one of the worst tackling teams, not only in the SEC, but in the country. Uh, so they're going to have to really – uh, be disciplined and, and rally to the football, gang tackle, thing, things of that nature. 
Um, so their leading running back is Damian Pierce. He's got 221 yards, not a super, uh, tough running team, but you know, their receiving game is incredibly tough. And Malik Davis, he is their running back that has the most receiving yards. So look out for him on Saturday. And then Trayvon Grimes is the um, number two receiver for Florida. And he was a four-star and very highly ranked. So um, watch out for him as well. Um, defensively, when I wrote my story this week, I was, I mean, I knew their defense was bad, but I didn't realize how much of a dip they took um, compared to where they're usually at. Like the, the Florida passing defense is typically at least top 20 in the nation. And right now I believe they're in, in, like the nineties or something like it's, it's really bad. Um, so Felipe Franks could have a big game and I hope, I hope the receivers are also ready to have a very big game. If, if they have any chance to win. Exactly. They're, they're going to have to score some points. I mean, Arkansas's defense has been very good this year. I mean, markedly improved from the past years, but still Florida has been putting up points on everybody. I mean, I think everyone agrees Georgia has a, fantastic defense they put up 40 something points on them so uh you're gonna need to score with them I don't know if they've got enough firepower that's probably one of the main reasons I'm not you know picking Arkansas to pull an upset uh but I do think that Georgia's or Florida's defense struggling as much as it has you know for for being known as one of the DBUs of the country uh they they are vulnerable and I think we could see you know Traylon Burtz, Davion Warren, Mike Woods those guys have, have really big, productive games. And I also looked at their um, running defense, and they have a fine average, but when you look at certain games, like against Texas A&M, they allowed over 200 yards to the Aggies and then limited Missouri to like 40-something in the next game. So their average, you know, is kind of in the middle, but they are capable of letting big uh, rushes happen. So – Rakeem Boyd let's see it man like this would be huge for him to have a big game against Florida uh, I think he needs it his his draft stock certainly hasn't gone up it, it might have even gone down at this point we'll see um, so him and Traylon Smith they need to get active and uh, I think you'll see both offenses taking quite a few big shots yeah, I mean, it should be an entertaining game for sure because of that. I mean, Felipe, I saw a stat at some point during the week where he's – I don't know if he's like first or second in the conference in terms of uh, accuracy and passes down the field. Uh, so, I mean, he is he is a very good deep ball thrower. We saw that in the third quarter of the Tennessee game where Arkansas exploded for 24 points. A lot of that was because he was hitting deep passes to Woods and Burks and things like that. So, uh I I am really looking forward just from a sheer entertainment value uh, this game because I, I do think both both teams are going to be uh, attacking down the field. Florida's defense has a lot of experience on it, but they're just not very good, I guess. Um, they they uh, had several go to the NFL um, this past draft, so I guess they lost – most of their really good experienced talent. Um, a cornerback who's really good, Kair Elam, he has one of their interceptions this season. They have four, but only two of them are by DBs. 
one of them was by a defensive lineman and then another by a linebacker. So compare that to Arkansas's 15 interceptions this season. It's just uh, quite a stark um, contrast, but look out for Elam. He was a uh, Arkansas recruit. Actually, they had no shot at him, but uh, (laughs) he was a top target at one point. Um, And then uh, Ventrell Miller, he is the, I think the top uh, tackler. Yeah, Miller, yeah, and then like and then look linebacker. out. Yeah, and then look out for Brenton Cox as well. That's uh, that's the gist. The defensive line they have some good players as well. It's just like as a unit, I don't know. They they don't get a whole lot done. They do have like fifteen team sacks, but there's no like real standout guy on their defensive line who is just bringing a ton of pressure. Um, Zachary Carter had a pretty good game last week, um, but overall like just not a very intimidating defense so I'd like to see Arkansas try to open it up and get a little crazy why not you're not expected to win so you know come out and and surprise people yeah I want to see some points you know I mean I want to see you know we've seen it in spurts I mean we saw it in the third quarter against Tennessee we saw it briefly against A&M and against Ole Miss where the offense just it looked really really good I want to see them put it together for four quarters, you know, show us a Kendall Bryles offense because it has the potential to be quite entertaining and, and quite explosive. So really hoping we get to see that this weekend. Again, I don't think they've got enough bullets to hang with Kyle Trask and company, but uh, it, it could be an entertaining game. Besides um, Pittman um, and, you know, the storyline of Frank's, uh, there was one piece of breaking news this week. Um, Micah Smith, senior defensive back, had surgery on what we're not sure, uh, but he is out for the season. And um, I'll let you tell him how many scholarship players is Arkansas down to now? So he is the 11th guy of the 85 that they're going to be without the rest of the year. Uh, so that means they've got 74 available for the rest of the season. Uh, that Normally, it's like, hey, okay, whatever, it's not ideal, you know, what, but this year, it, it matters because you could always have a positive COVID-19 test with a couple of players and knock out a few more contact tracing, and before you know it, you're below 53, and you're having to postpone a game. We saw that with four games this weekend. Uh, Arkansas has had a, done a pretty good job, you know, knock on wood, of avoiding that this year, uh, but it, it it's kind of worrisome. Now, I mean, 11 players, that, that seems like a lot. But if you actually look at it, they're not really a ton of significant players. You know, Micah Smith was a kind of a reserve defensive back. He only played one game this year because he's been banged up. But he was a backup nickel last year. Was probably going to compete for a spot in the two deep at safety this year had he not been banged up. Uh, but, I mean, he's out for the year with an injury. You know, Josh Oglesby at running back, you know, out for the year with an injury. Uh, Levi Draper at linebacker and Coylan Jackson at receiver. Those guys are out with injuries. You've had five opt-outs with uh, corners, uh, Jerry Jacobs and Jarquez McClellan being kind of the most significant. You've had Spivey transfer. And then obviously you've got uh, Jaqueline Crawford sitting out this year as a transfer. Uh, so that that's your 11 guys right there. Uh, you hope you can avoid losing anyone else. I, I saw – someone posted where Mississippi State they're down to like 65 scholarship players because of opt-outs and transfers and things like that so 
it uh it it can it can you know, as we get later in the season it's going to be tougher and tougher for teams to have 53 available scholarship players for games so since this florida game was added um to the schedule because of you know coronavirus and everything are they still going to play each other in like two years or was it next season no one knows know. no, no one knows because know. i mean arkansas is supposed to play georgia next year huh. and so uh i think there's supposed to go to Georgia and Georgia came here this year so I don't think they've actually announced how that's going to impact future scheduling and I mean who knows if we're going to stick to the same eight game format in the SEC moving forward I mean there's been a lot of people saying oh they should stick with this 10 game format forever and I, I don't know about that that seems like a, a little much I mean I, I wouldn't mind maybe a nine game conference schedule that way we get to see those eastern opponents more frequently because uh, you, you've got guys fifth-year seniors who finish their careers without facing, you know, South Carolina or, or Kentucky or something like that. So I would like to see uh, more games added to the schedule. I would like to see FCS games eliminated for the SEC. There's no reason Arkansas should be playing Nickel State. There's just – there's no reason for it. So uh, let, let's do that. Let's, let's schedule some Power 5 non-conference opponents and go with a nine-game SEC schedule, that would be perfectly fine with me. Uh, besides Sam Pittman getting COVID this week, um, half <laughs> the SEC is – more than half the SEC is not playing uh, because of various uh, cases and quarantines at certain schools. The LSU-Alabama game is postponed because of cases at LSU. The Texas A&M-Tennessee game is postponed because of cases at A&M. Missouri game, Georgia game is canceled or postponed because of one case at Missouri that caused contract contact tracing for um, several other people, which is nuts. And then um, the Auburn Mississippi State game, I'm not even sure which team has it. I, I think, think both. I think it was Auburn, Mississippi. It both. was Mississippi State at first, and then Auburn shut down their football activities because of it. So, yeah, it, it's it's a cluster. <laughs> So only South Carolina, Ole Miss, Arkansas and Florida and Vanderbilt and Kentucky are playing on Saturday. And that Kentucky game was at one point a little questionable as well. Um, but yeah, we'll have the three games and a lot of people will be tuning in to watch this Florida Arkansas game. The masters I think are on maybe. Yes. I'm not a golfer. It'll, so it'll, it'll be over by the that time. Wouldn't deter me. Kickoff. <laughs> I'll, I'll take a nap during that and then turn on the game. Um, but it's 6 p.m. on ESPN, primetime, huge game. Uh, Florida's ranked number six. Um, you wanted to write a story, but I, I wasn't sure if we were there yet. So you think that this whole cluster mess this week might impact Arkansas' schedule in some kind of way? Yeah, I, I, I do, because LSU, Alabama, obviously a huge game, canceled or postponed. Uh, LSU is already scheduled to play Florida on that December 12th date before the SEC championship game on December 19th. So they don't have another makeup date for the Alabama game. Uh, they can't play. Now, I know the SEC's come out and said, hey, we're going to allow December 19th to be a makeup date for teams not playing in the SEC championship game. Obviously, it looks like Alabama is going to be playing in the SEC championship game. So that game can't be made up at that point. However, it looks like LSU uh, is not going to be a factor in the division. 
uh, doesn't look like Arkansas is going to be a factor in the decision. So what I would not be surprised to see is the Alabama-LSU game be moved to next week, uh, replacing the Arkansas-LSU game, uh, which would be then moved to December 19th on the day of the SEC championship game. And then the Alabama, I believe they're supposed to play Kentucky next week. That game could be moved to December 12th because Alabama doesn't have a makeup game yet. Uh, then Alabama and Florida would both be playing on December 12th. Neither team would have an advantage of having an extra week to prepare for the SEC championship game. So that would make that fair. And I think at that point it would be okay. Now there are some other games, you know, the, the Missouri, they were already, they're already scheduled to play December 12th. Uh, they've already had, uh, but they're going to have to play, make up their game against Georgia. Georgia might be a factor. So couldn't they just move the SEC championship back one week? Wouldn't, wouldn't that be easier? Well, then at that point, they would be playing on December 26th. That would be the day after Christmas for one thing, and also six days before the college football playoff. So there has been uh, talk this week of maybe moving the college football playoff back. However, I think I saw something last night or something like that where the college football playoff has said, you know, we might push it back, but I don't think it's going to be to allow more makeup dates for teams it's more so for if Alabama makes college football playoff and suddenly they get an outbreak and they're not able to play on you know January 1st or whatever it is or December 31st whenever the playoff is this year oh, they rather forfeit. than too bad rather, rather than forfeiting like what we've seen in the high school playoffs across the state which is just absolutely heartbreaking for those for especially the seniors I, I can't imagine uh, but instead of forfeiting they would just push it back a week uh, at least that's how I'm understanding but again this is a very very fluid situation it could change by the time you upload this podcast so final prediction arkansas covers but they don't win that's kind of how i'm feeling i think the money line is pretty good for arkansas so i'll probably throw down like you know 20 of my imaginary dollars on them just in case one of my other bets doesn't hit but there's hardly any games this week so i don't i don't know how much money i'm gonna be able to to win this week Definitely. go high roller you know go go put put two hundred dollars down on each bet I'll, I'll start some parlays put some uh there you go say uh kyle trask 300 yards or more <laughs> i don't even know <laughs> uh, all right everybody join us on saturday at 6 p.m on hogbeat.com we'll have our live game thread and of course we have all of our content up in one easy place you can find it on the hogbeat game week headquarters right on our homepage. um 6 p.m espn arkansas florida tune in with us have a good one everybody